0: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Winnie City Gridiron, and I'm joined on the other line by EJ Snyder, the site's lead draft analyst. EJ I gotta say it's good to be back. How are you doing?
1: I'm glad you're back. I missed you. It was fun to fun to change it up for the past couple of weeks, but it's nice to get back to the to the home turf and and get back to doing this. I wish we had happier things to talk about.
0: Yeah, I left, and this team wasn't – I think it had a winning record when I left, and then now the house has burned down around us. But I do want to start off by thanking uh, uh, Bill and Lester for filling in the last two weeks. They did a great job. I actually am just really happy they have their own podcast, so they didn't just usurp my role and take over because uh, you guys uh, put together two good shows. So, But I am happy to be back. And I am not happy with the state of affairs of this team – And so I brought a bourbon today because I'm just going to drink my sorrows away over the next approximately 60 minutes with you. And so I brought with me a 10-year-old Henry McKenna Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey bottled in bond. So I don't know a ton about this idea of bottled in bond, but it, it says on the back that it is Bottled under government supervision, so I mean, I guess that's that
1: that's seems good. like old school uh, Kentucky liquor laws.
0: Yeah, I think there's probably something about making sure that the the distillery is not cheating you. And so uh, I brought that on. I actually I like it. I've had it. This bottle's about half gone. Just opened up the the bottle there. It's it's a good bourbon. It's really uh it's really smooth. And I brought it because. Uh, it's age 10 years, and I have a feeling that we're going to be talking about something else with the number 10 in it this episode. <laughs> uh, so that's what I brought. What about you?
1: Uh, I went a different direction. We talked about this for the podcast, and we we formulated that we might do bourbon. But um, I was looking through what I had, and I was inspired by something else. So I'm going to mix it up, uh, a Bears over beers first. I'm going to do a shot and a beer because that's about where I'm at with the Bears season this year. <laughs> And What's I the shot? Have, uh, the shot is a tequila that I have, and I really enjoy it. Uh, it is Cazadores, Tequila Blanco, and the tie-in is it's a limited edition uh, from last year, and the cover art is inspired by Día de los Muertos, or the Mexican festival celebrating uh, deceased ancestors' Day of the Dead. Uh, the dead. So uh, the Bears' season is somewhat dead and i thought that was uh official plus it's excellent tequila it's really smooth and i enjoy it and then i'll be following that up strangely enough on a sort of half the world away tour with a dutch beer uh that i found yesterday They apparently started brewing it in 1671. It is Orangeboom. I'm sure I'm destroying that pronunciation. Uh, It is these days brewed uh, by license in Germany, so maybe uh, in bond. Who knows? Um, (laughs) But it says, um, as a tribute to the House of Orange, the orange tree crest symbolizing the family tree of the Dutch royal family, Uh, Is the symbol for this beer, and it is a premium lager beer. So nice and thin should follow that tequila fairly well. I've never had it. Uh, I found it while I was out yesterday, and thought, well, that sounds interesting. So it's it's more just a chaser for the Day of the Dead tequila, but uh, we'll we'll go with that.
0: That is a really weird language. No offense to anybody that listens that speaks Dutch, but it just is really weird on my ears. I spent an overnight in Amsterdam. When my wife and I went to Africa a few years ago. And I, I just, it's just the weirdest sounding language to me. It's just got, a, and it, I don't understand how you read it either. It's a, uh, it's very interesting. So I'm interested to hear how the beer is, but the language, I'm sure that you butchered it because there's oh, yeah. no way that you could, you know, actually speak it by looking at the letters. <laughs>
1: yeah. My, my former boss <laughs> uh, was an exchange student and has um, Dutch relatives. And so spent some time in it. Uh, she occasionally breaks into Dutch and yes, I look at her like she's speaking Greek cause like Greek actually makes more sense to me. So I, yeah, <laughs> Greek, Greek doesn't sound as crazy. So, all right,
0: well let's drink these things. I already poured mine while you were talking, so right. I've already got a head start.
1: There you go. My, my shots poured, but I will open the beer, uh, because it sounds real nice and we will just alternate because it's very nice sipping tequila. I know a lot of people like to slam or shoot tequila, but this one is, uh, nice, nice enough to enjoy over a longer period.
0: I think that's more for stuff that you just want to get rid of.
1: (laughs) Well, unfortunately it's how most people get introduced to that drink. So everybody's just like, woo. And I'm like, "There's actually another side to tequila, but that's a different podcast.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I think that just to close the loop on this bottled and bond bourbon uh, at the front end, there's not as much character as like some of the char characteristics that you might get on a lot of other bourbons. Um, It's just, smooth, but it's a hundred proof. And so it's, it's not messing around. Either. No. So, um, and I happen to have just poured myself a healthy pour so um you know we'll uh we'll at least at least we'll have fun tonight well,
1: well go i've got that. experience leading from the last two weeks so if you just fade off about halfway through i think i can pick it up
0: you'll yeah you'll know how to what to do so all right well speaking of leading something that the bears did not do on sunday uh they <laughs> lost to the, yeah i know <laughs> they lost to the eagles 22 to 14 and i have to say that that score seems closer than what that game felt like Bears fall to three and five. They've lost four straight. Uh, I basically the offense simply didn't show up in the first half. I don't. I think at one point they were at negative ten yards of offense late in the second quarter at halftime. I'm not sure exactly when that uh, flipped over to the positive. Uh, just a disastrous effort. They just couldn't. They couldn't put anything together. Uh, a lot of drop balls, but uh, a lot of. Pretty bad passes. Uh, you know, you'd have a good Montgomery run followed up by a three yard loss, you know, stuff in the backfield. Uh, the defense played, I would say, bend but don't break early. Uh, they were sloppy, uh, a lot of false starts or uh, uh, offsides. There was a false start on offense as well. Uh, just kind of sloppy football. Um, you know, that touchdown to Zach Ertz that was clearly offensive pass interference and I don't really understand the rule why why put that in if you're not gonna call it on review uh, it, on Kyle Fuller there that that, he, that 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 ball should have come back that was kind of ridiculous but again this wasn't a very close game so it's hard to it's hard to be too pouty about that um, overall just it wasn't as dramatic as the Saints game but this was not a pretty game and the the offense looked. Kind of terrible uh, uh, In like a new way Like they're inventing ways to embarrass Themselves uh, on television And so I'm not Sure what The overall takeaway is because I'm trying To find silver linings and I think It might be that the Defense played pretty well Until it didn't Uh, And so I'm just curious what What was your takeaway overall before we get Into a couple specifics here
1: yeah, I don't disagree that the first half was completely abysmal on offense and that wasn't I guess I don't want to say that was a surprise, but it was uh, like I don't want to say historically awful because I don't know if that's correct, that might be hyperbole, but it was it was damn bad. They didn't they didn't get anything going. Nor did they look like they were sort of even threatening to get anything going. There weren't a lot of near misses in the first half. So offensively, the first half was just a survivor fest for fans to, to sit through that to see if you could stomach it. The defense played pretty well. The run fits in the first half were were pretty good. They held the Eagles to not very many points and not a ton of movement. They played with a lot of consistency. The pass rush showed back up again. Bilal Nichols looked uh, happy to be healthy and back, made an impact on several plays definitely looked like he was contributing in a way that that defensive line really needed Uh, maybe that was sort of the key to getting the pass rush going again so Wentz was hurried and had less time overall that pocket collapsed like it did for the first say three weeks of the season with with regularity we didn't see a guy standing back there with way too much time so that part looked pretty good then we got to the second half and the offense uh, showed signs of life signs of adjustment uh, Trubisky made some good throws sprinkled in among the bad ones it wasn't just all bad ones and those ones are head scratching because they make you wonder why, why can't you do that all the time why can't you step up in the pocket decisively and throw a 15 yard strike um, regularly then of course we saw the play action we'll talk about that that worked like a charm to move the Bears into scoring position. Uh, Montgomery showed up with the same vigor he had last week in his sort of breakout game. Um, always running hard, trying to contribute, had a couple of nice pass receptions as well. So there were some decent things, but then the touchdown to Jordan Howard in the second half, they the Bears just completely whiffed the run fit left a massive hole and he pretty much walked in. Um, so the defense is a little boggling too, less so than the offense, but the whole team uh, really needs to sort of get going in a different direction. And uh, we'll talk about that. I'm not exactly sure they're going to be able to do that. Where do we go from here? Is was sort of the theme last week. And it's the theme again this week, but there are less options, no trade deadline, and and this team is kind of here to stay. So um, I guess it's live for, the, live for the good moments at the moment
0: yeah i think okay there's a couple things i want to touch on here uh well, why don't we take trubisky first so i got a question today on the on the bears over Bears account from joe yeoman and i think that you've gotten the same question about a half a dozen times as i've gotten variations of it anywhere from the supermarket to uh twitter to uh, someone yelling at me on the street What's wrong with Trubisky? Not necessarily the specifics of where he's regressing his game, but what are the root causes? Why is why did this happen? And I think it's just I think it's a fair question for people to ask. And I think that you and I both stand in the same position, and that is we have no idea.
1: Yeah, I've said that a couple of times now and you're right. The question has been asked to me um either directly or or sort of in a in a group bunch on Twitter, um some other ways as well. I've got some emails and it, it's always the same thing. It's like, yeah, I know he's regressed. I can see he's regressed on the field. Nobody predicted this regression. What's happening? Why is he regressing? And my answer consistently, um, we touched on this with the pod that Bill and rooms on is if you're not in the room with Trubisky and more so if you're not his confidant, if he doesn't trust you and come to you and say, Hey man, this is what I'm struggling with. The answer is, You don't know. We're not in the guy's head. We can guess. We can say, hey, maybe it's the injury. Maybe it's that the moment's too big for him and the the pressure got to him. Maybe the injury is holding him down. But then again, he was playing really lousy before the injury. Something happened to Mitch Trubisky between certainly the end of last season, but I would even say between preseason when we saw him, because he just looked completely different. He looked confident. He looked smooth. Now, especially in that first half versus the Eagles, you could see on, I would say, a third to a half of those offensive plays in the first half, as soon as he took the snap, he looked skittish. He looked lost. He turned the wrong way like that's not the guy we saw in camp so something happened and i understand that fans have a hunger to know what that is to to have an answer for why we all thought the bears were going to be super bowl contenders and instead they're going to be bouncing off the bottom of the standings I know that that's a real thing, but the answer is we don't know that answer. And unless Mitch feels like sharing it with us or people that he's shared it with feel like sharing it with us, which is highly unlikely given the circumstance and the stakes, we're not going to know and we're going to have to be okay with that.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think um, I There was a couple throws, like you said, in that first half or just maybe just sprinkle throughout the season where it's not even the result of where the ball ends up. It's his mechanics look so terrible that you're like, have you thrown a football before? Like there was a throw in the first half where it looked like he kind of folded his body sideways as he threw it, kind of almost like overhand, like a hook shot in a way. Like it's just the weird way that he kind of moved his body and so you have that i was i was reminded of uh that monday night uh was it monday night game or sunday night game with the the jets and the um the jets and the patriots with Sam Darnold yeah where he they caught he had him mic'd up and they caught him saying i'm seeing, I'm seeing ghosts. ghosts yep right and you know people are 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 killing him for that um i thought it was kind of funny and like an honest moment like where he's cuz he's like this defense is just everywhere right and he's right. he's seeing ghosts I don't think that's happening with Trubisky. Like that doesn't seem like a real possibility because, he, he, as bad as the the offensive line has played, I don't think that he's been getting hit in a to a degree that's that's it, shaking him that way. So I, I I don't know. Like you said, we're we're not going to know everything that we do and everything that anybody else that talks about this or writes about this is doing. It's all speculation, right? They're just trying to put yourself inside of this young man's head or in this young man's shoes and trying to say, okay, this is how I think this could have manifested itself. I I don't know. I mean clearly his confidence does not appear to be anywhere near what we considered it, it was when we were in camp. I think that's something that we can both agree on. I think that there's something about young quarterbacks where you start to take things away and they have to adapt and if they do adapt then they continue to play well and and if they don't then they hit a ceiling and so it just appears that we have unexpectedly hit that ceiling quicker and i think that in a way we've not only have we hit that ceiling quicker but we've not not been able to continue the things that we were doing before and i don't know if that's a conscious effort on nagy's part to say take away the the running aspect of what trubisky brought to the table last year you know in an effort to prolong his career or take that next step where you do transition away from using your legs more uh, and just trying to be a pocket passer or if it's just the scheme has just been scouted out and it no longer works uh for what was working in patches last year i don't really know like i i feel like it's going to be an all off-season project to diagnose this kind of csi style but you know the real question is are we even going to be able to want to spend time on that or are we moving on
1: yeah i (sighs) going back to something you said I don't feel like we've hit the ceiling and the part that pains me about this the most is I think we've hit the floor like he can't get worse than this you can't play quarterback more poorly in general as in some total not those those good throws because he is again he has those moments those flashes where he looks like the old Mitch for a second he stands in the pocket scans the field and delivers a ball you know on a line to an open receiver and everybody says see see he can do it and the answer is yeah he can do it but he can't do it consistently and what we're getting in between those throws is just it really is a quarterback's floor it's a guy that doesn't even know Uh, doesn't even look like he knows which way to turn and that's the thing probably that pains me the most about this entire thing because obviously the the twitterverse has turned and bears fandom is done and i understand that there's a lot of outrage but like all these takes from two and three years ago are now like see see we told you trubisky's a bust trubisky you know and if he keeps playing like this the answer is yeah he is a bust But don't tell me you were saying that. Any of you, the doubters, the haters, the lovers, anybody was saying that at the end of last year because he wasn't. This is a guy that was leading an NFL football team confidently into the playoffs in a 12-win season. And it wasn't the old, you know, everybody pulls up, uh, you know, examples of quarterbacks that didn't play great and their team carried them. Now, he didn't play amazing, but he played... So much better than he's playing now. He looks completely different. And so, all these people that are heaping on, and you know, look, uh, his play right now deserves it. But all these people are like, see, I told you three years ago, I knew. I just think that's terribly disingenuous and it doesn't really help. Um, And they just kind of want to be right. And lucky for them, it's like people saying the Raiders trade was smart all along, right? Because now the Raiders are going to get a high pick. And I'm like, uh, I don't think you can find anybody that thought at the time the Raiders moving Khalil Mack to the Bears was a good idea. So this whole, like, ah, they're crazy like a fox, they knew the whole time, see, I told you. Look, Mitch was a different guy, and that's the part I think that probably hurts the most.
0: Well, let me ask you this, and then I want to touch on the defense a little bit, but what, where are you at with this I don't know groundswell of let's just play Daniel because we know that we can get something out of him and maybe it's better for Mitch to just clear his head get some get some headspace whatever you want to call it w- where are you at with riding with trubisky the rest of the season and seeing if you can break him out of this or trying to salvage the locker room uh, not that we know anything about the locker room but you know is that a move that says yeah we're hey it's not working. We're going to move to the backup, and he's going to give us the best chance to win right now.
1: Yeah, for me it comes down to, you know, it's, it's like a tale of two cities, right? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. If Mitch plays like he did the first half in Philadelphia for the rest of the year, I don't think there's a way that you can legitimately, as the coach— Or the GM, Ryan Pace, doesn't really seem to have his hands in things about who plays and who doesn't. I don't think there's a way as a coaching staff you can roll that Mitch Trubisky out for the rest of the season and say to all the other guys, because it is still a team, quarterback is the most important spot and really the hinge of the entire franchise, but there's no way that you can roll a guy playing like that out and say, okay, guys, keep competing really hard because we're all trying and we're all doing our best. Nobody's going to follow you in a dangerous sport like the NFL for more than a couple of weeks on that, and maybe not even that long. I think we're kind of teetering at that point now. If he plays like he did in the second half of Philadelphia, where he's making some plays and stringing a couple of drives together, they start using a little bit more play action and he hits the guy, that's the thing, then you know, maybe you just ride with Mitch again. Is he going to round into form and be a franchise savior and a franchise quarterback? No, I think we're past that. Is he going to be better than what Chase Daniel brings you if he plays like he did in the second half? Probably. We we ran Chase Daniel for a couple of weeks when Trubisky got hurt, and we know right. what's gonna happen. That's that's a known known, right? Chase is gonna make some throws underneath, he's gonna move the offense a little bit, but he's never really gonna challenge a defense, and when they start shutting those things down, he's not gonna have a ton of answers. So that's not gonna be a great experience either. It's better than what Mitch did in the first half versus the Eagles. It's not really better than it's just different than what mitch did in the second half versus the eagles so i don't know depends on which guy shows up and that's the thing with mitch is you're never quite sure which guy is going to show up and right now it's just a huge crapshoot so i don't envy the people making that call at all it's kind of a different version of the good rex bad rex
0: because like good rex was like really good and Bad Rex was throw three or four interceptions, right? Good Trubisky is make some drives and score some points and leads the team. Bad Trubisky's like overthrows guy by eight yards, throws behind the line of scrimmage ninety percent of his throws. Like it's weird. It's not quite. It's not quite the 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 same situation. But I feel like we're back. You know, ten years to fifteen years, whatever that is at this point, to the old Grossman days in a way, but uh, in a not in the turnover way that wonderful uh, Rex brought us. So, um, anyway, I I think my stance is, you, you know, you you don't have a young guy on the roster. You have, like you said, a no known, known behind Trubisky, and if he's just so bad that you got to put your backup in. Fine, but you put yourself in this position. You didn't bring anybody in that was developmental that you could say, okay, we're turning to this guy now. Uh, And I understand why you made those decisions, and I understand the confidence that you had in the offseason that you didn't have to make those decisions. But clearly you're going to have to do that next year. There's going to be – Uh, You know, veteran competition, there's going to be, you know, developmental talent on the roster. I mean, this is going to be a very different approach at quarterback next year.
1: Yeah, I'm going to put my aura in the water and say what I said after camp, and I said it to you, and I said it on a couple of those wrap-up podcasts, which is why is Tyler Bray on this team? And the only answer anybody could come up with is because for some unknown reason, he still has practice squad eligibility, so he doesn't take up a roster spot. He also doesn't give you anything for the roster spot. He does take up on the practice squad. And I made that argument at the time. And I said, why not bring in somebody, anybody, at Cuts? I even put out a list on Twitter of guys I thought were interesting or had some potential. Because, again, you know what Bray is, despite some people thinking that he's the second coming. He's not. You know, give yourself a chance. Give yourself a shot. And the Bears, as you said made that decision they made their bed they chose not to do it because Bray is comfortable in the extreme Um, the flip side of Tyler Bray is he's also terrible at leading an NFL offense on Sundays it's not going to happen so now the fact that Mitch fell apart which again nobody was predicting everybody was predicting ascension now that that has, now that the unthinkable has happened, you're, you're done. There's nowhere to turn to it's chase Daniel or nothing. And we know what chase is. There isn't, you can't just chalk it up and say, okay, we're going to, we're going to put a new guy in there and we're going to get him some live snaps and see if he has anything, which would at least be exciting and Um, We'll talk about that in a bit, that they should do that with some other players on the roster. But at quarterback, you're just sunk. And I said that back at the end of the preseason. And now, unfortunately, even with this unseen Trubisky collapse, you know, why not fill a roster spot with a guy that might have a chance and they didn't and we're here?
0: Yep, absolutely. All right. I think more – I have a feeling more quarterback talk is gonna happen on this podcast. But let's I wanna to flip to the other <laughs> side. Before we before we uh, preview the Lions game, I wanna I wanna talk about the defense real quick. And we, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. And the Bears were out, time of possession, two to one uh, in this game, 40 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. Uh, defense had a chance to get off the field multiple times in that last drive. And they they just couldn't and i think that a couple of those are pretty unfortunate breakdowns would have been nice to see if trubisky could have come back because especially if you hold them out of field goal range and get it back on the first couple of those third downs you know you got a chance to win it with a touchdown and so it'd be it would have been pretty interesting to see to win a completely ugly hideous game like that just what the narrative would have sounded like but because uh, again, I, the game did not feel that close, and so to have a chance to win it late would have been great. Defense couldn't get off the field, and I, you know, my instinct is to give them a break because they're on the field a lot. And the number one thing an offense can do is score points. The number two thing an offense can do is hold the ball for a while and rest your guys, because any defense that's playing 35, 38, 40 minutes it honestly just can't be expected to produce at the high level that we expect them to. And so I want to give them a break, but is that like a step back for a second? Is that fair? And if this team wants to be the great defense that they talked about being at the beginning of the year and sure look like early on, uh, is that fair to give them a break just because the offense is playing so terribly?
1: I think it is in one way but it is a two sides of a coin sort of a thing and it's the second side is exactly what you brought up the defense played really well uh for the most part and when they got tired at the end and rightfully so because they'd spent a long time on the field they had bad breakdowns that allow that game to uh you know not turn around they they let a back leak out of the backfield on pass pro on third and 15 and he picks it up That's a very costly mistake. At that point, there's four minutes left in the game. I think it was four minutes and 15 seconds when I tweeted that out. So, uh, you know, I will give them a break for being tired because the offense is giving them absolutely nothing, nothing. But on the flip side of that coin, they can't have breakdowns like we saw the week before where they played great and great and great until they didn't. And then right at the end of the first half, They let the other team go down the field and score in like three plays, and that touchdown turns out to be the difference. And again, if you want to be a great defense, you can't have those kind of lapses, and that's where it comes into, hey, you can't expect the defense to be out there all day and make plays at the end of the game. But in the middle of the game, they can't have those breakdowns. Um, the Jordan Howard run was just a schematic breakdown. They left a 20-foot wide hole in the middle of the line. It's not that Jordan Howard's great back. He literally ran through a hole that was 20 feet wide because there was no bears there. That's a schematic fault. Somebody missed their gap. And you can't do that because in the NFL, if you miss on one play like that, NFL offenses are gonna make you pay. It's like being a baseball pitcher and letting, you know, pitching a great game through seven innings and it's a zero zero game and you hang one pitch down the middle and the guy drills it over the fence and you lose one zero. Look, you know, great pitchers don't hang the pitch. That's just the way it goes.
0: Yeah, the Jordan Howard touchdown run might have been the most predictable result of the entire NFL season. <laughs> I felt like like I would have put a prop bet on that happening it just had like it just seemed like the universe was saying you know jordan howard's gonna score on you right so good for jordan howard i you know i still like the guy
1: what about um, the all sean jeffrey injury since you know we're taking oh the God, we're taking mean. the parlay here i would take the jordan howard touchdown and the all sean jeffrey in- injury and see what i get in vegas for a parlay bet
0: yeah, Alshon did not uh, do himself any favors with Bear, Bears fans on the way out. Uh, I think Jordan Howard still has plenty of fans in Navy and Orange. But uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good bet that there's soft tissue issues with Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> um, uh, the, other, the, only, the other thing I want to mention from this game before I make a, a random point here is um, Dick Stockton was announcing this game. I think it's time for Dick Stockton to retire, but... He likes to pronounce Tariq Cohen's last name as Cone, like C-O-N-E. Yeah. And it really drove me nuts.
1: Well, and I have I, to say that I had the uh, quote-unquote luxury of watching this game in a crowded sports bar, and it was not the primary game, so it was not the sound we were getting. So I was spared from the commentary, which, given the result of the game and, and what you're bringing up, um, sounds like it might have been a small blessing that I was unaware of he
0: also pronounced uh, miles miles sanders last name as Saunders a couple times oh and so that was pretty interesting i just i you know hey i the guy you know whatever good good for you for sticking around for this long but it's uh, a little frustrating to hear you i don't know it was one of those things that like shouldn't get at, get me but it just drove me nuts listening to it cuz i'm already not liking the game <laughs> And so (laughs) I'm hearing Tariq Cohn like every other play, and I'm like, it's Cohen! Okay, so you made a point about the Chargers the other week, about how you weren't happy with them, and you're kind of taking a shot at them. Uh, I wanted to bring up the Ravens for the opposite reason. Uh, You know know that I was big on the Ravens uh, before the year. Uh I had some pretty big calls about the Ravens. I thought they'd win the AFC North and everybody's like, "Well, yeah, of course, you know." But yeah, think think back a couple months ago when everybody was on the Browns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was I was one of the only, if not the only person on staff that picked the Ravens to win that division. I also said that I thought Lamar Jackson would win Offensive Player of the Year. That could happen. Uh, he's at least in the running. And I said that John Harbaugh uh, could be Coach of the Year. And everybody else picked Freddie Kitchens, by the way. Um, and so... Um, Whoops! <laughs> I, what I And the reason why I bring this up is a couple things. One, I liked it from a game theory perspective. I liked that they were zigging when the rest of the league was zagging. They said, we've got this guy named Lamar Jackson... This is what we think he does well. We're going to build an offense around that. We're going to have three tight end sets. We're going to have, uh, we're going to sign Mark Ingram because we're going to run the ball. We're going to have a, a big running back that can that can carry the ball twenty times if we need to. Right? We're gonna we're gonna really do offense different in 2019. Now, I have no idea if this is sustainable. I don't know if Lamar Jackson is going to be able to run this type of offense for very long or if they're going to be able to successfully transition to something different. But I really liked what they were building because it was different. Okay, So, here's watching them dismantle what was the best defense in the league coming into Sunday Night Football, the Patriots. I One of the things that stuck out was... They call running plays. I mean, this guy's the reason why they're winning the division. The, the and they're calling running plays. They're not worried about him getting hurt. I'm sure they're worried about him getting hurt. But they're they're scheming running plays for him. And they're calling a lot of play action. Something that we have made a bit of a habit of talking about around what? here. What? Play action? More of. <laughs> yes. So my question to you is... You've got a team that's spiraling down. You've got a quarterback who in the past, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, talking about the Bears now, uh, that in the past has had some success with his legs. I think Mitchell Trubisky is a really good runner. Uh, I don't know that he's on the level of Lamar Jackson, don't get me wrong, but like, I think he's really good. I think he could legitimately be a running back, like a third-string running back or something. Like, I don't think it's that crazy to think that this guy because he's good with the ball in his hands, okay? Can Matt Nagy watch some Ravens tape and try to incorporate some of this into the offense as kind of a, well, nothing else has worked. Let's try this for the second half of the year.
1: For half of that, I think the answer is yes. And the first thing I want to do is highlight uh, a quote by Jim Nagy, uh, who is no relation to Matt Nagy, who runs uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl he's in charge of that now and he said that the ravens are the nfl equivalent of army navy that they are running an offense that is so different that it's just it's very difficult to prepare for you can't say in a week of preparation as a as a defensive coordinator hey these guys are just like x right or they run the the play that uh you know the jets ran last week right they're just so different that it's difficult to prepare for and it's giving them an edge right now and i thought that was a really good Observation by him, but in terms of whether or not the Bears could pivot to do that, uh, two things both of them hinge on Mitchell Trubisky. A, it's hard to change an offense in midseason on a non bye week, Uh, there's a lot of install, Um, a lot of change has to happen there. But I'm with you in terms of a theoretical let's just see what happens if we throw stuff at the wall. But two things they both hinge on Trubisky is mitch willing and able to run with his injury um, and his mental state he has seemed much less likely to take off now he's done it with increased frequency over the last two weeks but that's still way less in terms of a clip than he was running at last year or the year before i'm with you that he's extremely talented but he has to be willing to do it that's the first thing and the other thing about the Ravens strategy that's working really well is when they run that play action and Lamar Jackson pulls up, uh, instead of handing it off or running and does go to throw, he's a devastating thrower. He was wildly underestimated coming out of Louisville. He ran an Earhart Perkins offense at Louisville, which is the same offense the Patriots run for those of you, um, counting at home, uh, It was extremely sophisticated in terms of passing attack. And when he sets up his mechanics and throws, he's a very accurate passer with a great arm. So uh, the running part, I think you could get Trubisky to do if he was willing to and had some production there but the second part of that offense where you make the defense pay for selling out to stop that run is he's got to be able to hit the throws and that's what he's been struggling with all year so that part probably falls apart and wouldn't work as well um but you know taking half of that and integrating some of the quarterback run concepts that the ravens are showing um yeah sure at this point what's the loss Um, Trubisky doesn't look like the long-term option I hate to say it it sounds very mercenary and you know this is people's lives and futures at stake but he doesn't figure into your long-term plans if he gets broken doing it and you have to sit him look I don't see that there's a way that you march him out as the starting quarterback next year so it's not um, from a team building standpoint, a, a huge loss, as if it would be to the Ravens if Lamar Jackson got broken off. So I guess half and half is the best I've got. Okay, hey, we're just
0: we're we're, we're problem solvers here. We're just trying. <laughs> we're throwing stuff against the wall. I, I didn't see sticks.
1: our business cards beforehand. Is that on there? Because that would be great. I, it should be. It yeah, should be, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, and I think the other thing is that the Ravens' offensive line is really good, and I, as much as we both like the offensive line coming in this year, I don't think that they're on their level, and so that it's not like they can run power with the same efficiency that the Ravens do. Uh, the Ravens are... Really fun to watch I know that A lot of fans just watch Bears games And if that's the case you're going to miss uh, Ravens football And you shouldn't it's it's uh it's Pretty fun it's fun to watch a team that's Doing something different And trying to trying to go against the grain And when you can give the Patriots Headaches uh, That's that's saying something And so I just like I like how they're built And I just like the philosophy And I think Bears fans can understand running game And defense and so Uh, You know, if you're if you're looking to, you know, find a second team for the (laughs) second half, uh, you can do worse than than kind of looking at the Ravens.
2: This
1: is Jeff's moonlighting um, moment on the podcast. (laughs) If you're Uh, looking for another team. Um, Quick question about the offensive line, though, for somebody that got to listen to the actual broadcast. What in the hell was Cornelius Lucas doing in the game?
0: That's a really good
1: question. I saw him on a replay like getting up out of a pile. And of course, Cornelius Lucas, for those of you that don't know, is a massive human being. He's like 6'8 or 6'9. He's really tall, about 330 pounds. So he gets up in the back of his jersey, says Lucas. And um, while he's a very big and tall guy, he's not terribly mobile. And I thought. Oh my God, who got hurt? Because that was my first instinct is the only reason he'd be in the game is if somebody, you know, needed to play off or, or got broken. And I, I hadn't noticed the change again, not hearing the commentary. So if you know why Cornelius Lucas was in the game, let me know because that, that scared me deeply.
0: And like you said, large human being tough to miss. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're going to come back on the other side of a break uh, to talk about the lions uh, so, stick with us, and we will get into a uh, division rival.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now, more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference.
0: I sighed heavily there to talk about the Lions, and part of that is that the Lions are 3-4-1, but I think they're a better football team than a 3-4-1 team. And so I'm a little worried about this game, and we're at the point of the year where – all right, so so here's how I'm seeing this, right, is that I'm not someone who roots against the Chicago Bears, There have been situations over the years, towards the end of seasons, where there's draft position potential, uh, particularly in a year where you might need a quarterback, where I may have not been very upset if they lose, right? And generally, the Bears win those games to cost themselves that draft position, just as a historical marker, that almost always happens.
1: You had to bring that up, didn't you?
0: That's not what this is this year, because the Bears— do not have a first-round draft pick next year, right? And so unless you are, for some reason, cheering for the Raiders, there's no need to cheer for the Bears to tank here. It's not a thing this year, okay? And so here's where we're at, is that we've got four division games left. Two of them are against the Lions. The Lions might be some of the most... Annoying fans on Twitter or on the website. <laughs> I think that's fair to say.
1: You're going to bring up that and the fact can that we, the Bears slide a couple picks in the draft always to miss the best player in the same like five I, minutes. I, oh I, man. I
0: just, all I'm saying is, can we just at least focus on beating the Lions so that we don't have to hear about that? And so it would be nice. Yeah. Stake, right. And so, okay. So we talked about this before we started recording. And if, you as a fan are, are upset. You're taking this season. You know, there are high expectations. You're taking this personally, and you're very upset, and you're broken. There's a couple of people that cover the Bears that honestly sound broken on Twitter right now. Yeah. Um, I get it, okay? You need to leave. You need to not watch them. You, need, you want to hate watch. You do whichever you want. want. It's, it's America. It's a free country. We're junkies, okay? Like we are always going to find a way – To find value in watching the Bears Even if the season appears to be a lost season There's a lot that we can evaluate And there's a lot that we can cheer for And one of those things is beating the dang Lions Okay So We have some keys to this game Maybe the Bears do them Maybe they don't But at least Like if you're going to watch this game Let's at least cheer for the Bears to beat the Lions So we don't have to put up with Lions fans for the next
1: twelve months. That's that's where I'm at right now. It seems not do you want to a... get into the
0: keys, or do you want to talk about Lions before I, before uh, no, I get into the keys? It,
1: I don't want to talk about the Lions too much. Um, you know, the Lions uh, while their fans are uh sometimes difficult to deal with, we'll put it that way. Uh, As a franchise, you know, I find myself rooting for them because they've had some great players who've had some tough runs. I think of Barry Sanders, I think of Megatron, um, plenty of other good players who've played for the Lions. I mean, um, Quandre Diggs, who just got traded to the Seahawks. I was a huge Quandre Diggs fan when he came out, Um, ended up going to the Lions, being a very successful player, gets traded away in what looks like a kind of screw you move from management. So... uh, you know, I can root for some Lions players. I certainly don't root so much for the Lions franchise. And, you know, I tend to separate the franchise from their fans. And, you know, they have some really underrated players, too. Um, one of them who's out this week, which is a good thing for the Bears, but, you know, bad thing if you like quality football. And that's on Johnson, the running back. Very quiet guy, I think incredibly talented. And if the Lions used him more, um, does that sound familiar that an NFC North team is not running their talented running back enough. Um yeah, we've heard that refrain before. But on Johnson won't be in this game. But when he is in this game, do yourself a favor as a football fan and watch him. He's quite talented. Um won't get to see him this week. But so it's not that I root for the Lions, but they definitely have some players. And as a fan of the draft, I end up rooting for players that end up on other teams. Um and that's okay. But I'm with you for this uh for this year. There's no reason that rooting for the Lions to 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 win so it'd be great if the bears upset them for for no particular reason or through some crazy lucky bounce i'm fine with that
0: all right so let's talk about the keys um first first key i have and i'm gonna just piggyback on what you said here the the lions lost carry on johnson they have Ty Johnson, I think is the primary back behind him He's, he's kind of just a guy, he's a rookie out of Maryland As we talked about before we started recording uh, Not exactly someone who's lighting the world on fire Three and a half yards of carry I don't expect the Lions to run the ball Because Stafford has been really slinging the ball around the yard And the reason why he's been so successful at that right now Is he's got two very good wide receivers Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones Jr and so this is a really nice challenge for those corners and that secondary to see if they can match up against these two guys because they've been having a lot of success now they somewhat famously if you saw their game last week took them off the field on their uh on their goal to go uh last play of the game uh attempt against oakland uh for some odd reason took their best two pass catchers off the field, but. They're going to be on the field the majority of snaps against the Bears, and I think this is a really nice challenge for Prince and for Kyle to see if they can step up against two quality opponents and a veteran guy who racks up the yards. I think I think Stafford had another 400 yards this last week. A guy really does know how to sling the ball around the yard. So uh, I think it's a good challenge for for those two corners. And and I you know God can can we get Eddie Jackson going? Uh, maybe we can see Eddie Jackson get a get a pick and and uh, make some noise there. I think he has some experience picking off uh, Matthew Stafford. So that's my number one key of the game.
1: One interesting thing, I'm just looking at the Lions roster, and I'm noticing something very odd, especially for 2019. The Lions have four, that's right, four wide receivers on their roster. Just four. Marvin Jones Jr., Marvin Hall, who should be familiar to Bears fans, Um, cast off from the Bears this year, uh, a product of the University of Washington, the return specialist, Kenny Galladay, and Danny Amendola, and that's it. There's nobody else. Like, there's three tight ends, and there's four wide receivers, and that's it. That's crazy in 2019. Um, yeah normally
0: you're keeping six yeah five at the
1: minimum six especially if one of those guys is a special teams player but four just four i can't think of another team in the league that has only four wide receivers on their on their roster on their active roster that's crazy
0: that's interesting i know that they have a tight end who is a rookie from iowa uh who, yeah,
1: he can do most of what a lot of wide receivers can do. So, I'm with you there, but it's it is fascinating.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh so look, look for those two guys and look to see how the Bears play those two guys and see if they can take take them away. They've been up and down a little bit this year. I think Jones is actually the more productive player. Um I think Galladay. everybody's in love with Galladay, but I I don't know. I, Jones has Jones has been having a very nice year, so uh, make sure that you're keeping him in your in your view. My second is: can we see some more play action, please? Um, <laughs> Have we mentioned this before? Because I, it doesn't feel
1: it feels new. It feels like we haven't feels, touched on it feels this like before. A new point,
0: yeah. So the reason I'm bringing this up specifically is because Robert Mays, who writes for The Ringer, tweeted this out earlier that uh, Mitchell Trubisky has been using 16% of his dropbacks as play action fakes. And that is a criminally low number in 2019. I think he was like 29th or 30th or something like that in the league. Um, The the good quarterbacks are doing this a lot and the bad quarterbacks are not doing this. And I know that that's not on Trubisky. That's on the play caller. Uh, Why, why not put him in a position to succeed why not make the throws just that much easier and yeah we had the we saw the big play to Gabriel i was going to say if
1: only pick. we had an example of play action working <laughs> right. and producing a big play then maybe this would be more palatable but jeff have we seen
0: that we saw one and that's a big play and i don't even i'm not even talking about the big plays i'm just talking about the intermediate throws where you you get those linebackers just that half step and it allows that intermediate, uh, those intermediate routes to open up a little bit. And I think that that is where we both saw Trubisky have success in training camp, and he was hitting those hitting those throws with consistency. And before we care about the deep throws, I feel like we just need to build back to those intermediate throws. And I think that the path to that is play action. And I don't know how to get this message to Matt Nagy. I mean, do we need to? you know, set up smoke signals. Do we need to, you know, send some Morse code? I I have no idea what, what form of communication he prefers, but like, I just, I'm going to keep harping on it until I see it or until I see a successful offense with an identity that is built around something other than play action. But from when I watch a football game in 2019, play action is the way for a successful offense to operate.
1: Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on that and say one of the things that has gotten almost no press uh, in in all the other dumpster fire that is the Chicago Bears this year that really links into those two points, which is play action and crossing routes, is the Bears don't have a freaking tight end. They just don't. We thought they had a bunch of different ones that they could use in different ways, uh, they just don't. They invested a ton of money in a guy that has not produced and is still not producing after his groin injury. um They, and again, people are talking about Mitch Trubisky as I saw a couple quotes on Twitter that says Mitch Trubisky is, you know, the greatest Bears first round or greatest Bears draft pick bust like this century, which is now we're getting on 20 years into this century, right? I'm like nobody's talking about Shaheen. Like Trubisky is playing terrible football right now. No excuses for that. But he actually led the Bears to a 12 win season and almost won a playoff game against a pretty good contender. What has Adam Shaheen ever done? Right.
0: Well, and Sam Sam Householder, our colleague uh, on Twitter, correctly pointed out that if you're just talking about second round busts, yeah the answer is dan Bazine.
1: yeah good old dan Boisin, who never Boazine. played yeah, yeah i don't know how to who, I, don't, I don't know how to see his name cuz he never got on the field yeah he never got on the field but if we're just talking about more recent you know past 5 or 10 years like shaheen is a monumental bust i i had a lot of reservations about shaheen we had a, a wcg sort of draft roundtable table Text going during that draft, and (laughs) I think Lester famously asked me to do the write up for the second round pick, and I refused. Um, I think one of our colleagues picked it up. I just I was so stunned and upset that I I knew that whatever I was going to say was going to be just you know bulletin board fodder forever. Um, and I hoped, I hoped that he would develop. I hope that the whole baby Gronk thing was real, but it just felt such, it just felt like such a reach. He felt so raw. And unfortunately, let's talk about this in real terms. Unfortunately, I would have loved to have been wrong, but unfortunately right. it's turned out to be exactly that way. The guy can't catch a cold. He ends up having what might be his defining moment on the field, um, trying to get an onside kick, uh at the end of sunday's game it obviously doesn't work out like shaheen is a monumental bust he's never done anything like you look at his career stats there's not like oh but he had that one game or oh he won us that one game no no he hasn't done anything he's he's just a second round waste sunk cost no return so in terms of huge draft bust but more so what does that hole leave in Matt Nagy's offense look he's coming from the Kansas City model you can say it's the Philadelphia model like watching Zach Ertz is thinking about what the Bears would look like if they had a competent tight end if you know Mitch Trubisky had a security blanket if he had somebody like Ertz or Kels to go to that would be great, but he's got nobody. Nobody's filling that role. And those are the those are the play action passes for crossing routes that could be making a living for this offense. And the lack of having a tight end is hurting this offense more than most people will say. And they just have nothing and it's a huge, huge gap.
0: Yeah, you, you conveniently left out and again, just we have to do this for the record. I, I take no pleasure in this. But who was the guy that was on the board when Shaheen was taken? Oh, don't.
1: Just say it. No, I don't want to because, you know, I was a huge fan. And every week I watched that guy destroy people in run blocking and then make huge plays in the passing game. And I'm like, um, I don't want to say, but I, I said, yeah, George Kittle.
0: Okay, so the next time that you're on the board and you want a tight end, and you've got a guy from a small school, or you got a tight end from Iowa.
1: Just take the tight end from Iowa. Well, if it's Kittle or Hawkinson, I'm with you. If it's Fant, I'm thinking Denver might have misstepped with that. But anyways, it happens. So, yeah, I'm with you. As a rule, go with a guy from Iowa over some guy whose school you've never heard of. Um, Yeah, that that seems like a thing.
0: Yep. Uh, Okay, third key. I want to see Mitchell Trubisky run. Assuming Trubisky's starting, I have no indication that he won't. I want to see him running the ball. I want to see him tuck it and run it when it's there, uh, and I want to see him have some designed runs. I, I want, I want Nagy to call design runs for him. I just, I at this point, I want to see fifty yards rushing for Mitchell Trubisky against the Lions.
1: That's where I'm at. It would be pretty cool. I would like uh, – if we're going to do the self-scout, self-study thing, I'd like Nagy and and Helfrich to take a look at – we already talked about Lamar Jackson and and Baltimore. The other one I want him to take a look at, just purely for run scheme um, and and quarterback design runs as well, is Arizona. And everybody's like, Arizona, the Cardinals suck. But um, what Cliff Kingsbury's done with run sets – formations pre-snap motion just purely in the run game and then he hasn't run the quarterback as much but he has some Kyler Murray's gotten some opportunities to run I'd like them to kind of take those two offenses pick a couple plays that they like and just mix them in and say all right Mitch here's two things that you can do it's not an RPO it's like an RRO right it's a hand it off or roll out and run it yourself and kingsbury especially in arizona has done some really interesting things with um Double pulling offensive linemen. So most people are familiar with the term pull. Uh, you take an offensive lineman from one side of the line, pull him uh, basically behind the center, have him go in and uh, you know isolate a guy, whether it's a linebacker or not, plug a hole and let the running back slip by him. Um, Kingsbury's instituted some double pulls uh, to the strong side, which is really interesting. You take the weak side guard and you take the tight end and they both pull and flush into the same hole, uh, and, you know, gives a crease to the running back. In this case, it was running back. It was not a quarterback keeper. Um, really interesting stuff in his run sets and run games. So take a look at both of those, pick a couple things you want to try and do. Um, and see if you can't use some of the players you've got on the roster. Bears have a couple guys they've been using like fullbacks and maybe line those guys up in line, but then have them pull through a hole with a guard. That would, that would be cool. I would watch that, and I bet Montgomery could make something out of it.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting if we can actually establish an identity somewhere on this offense. I think <laughs> that's that's one thing that I just have not – I don't know what this team is yet. Nope. Right, and we're halfway through the year. That's not a good thing. But you got another half a year. We, we got another eight games here. So what is it that you want to establish in the last eight games that you can take as a foundation for next year, right? So why not try to establish David Montgomery in, in the running game? Like, like you got to have that piece moving forward. So let's, let's try some things. Let's see what he is. And let's try Tariq Cohen. Um, and see, you know, wh- if we can get him going in the running game as well, he's been successful in the past. So I, 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 I'm with you. I've haven't watched a lot of Cardinals games yet, uh, and I'm been most interested in their passing attack. But I'm now I'm going to go back and want to watch some Cardinals stuff. So um, all right, so that's that's our key. I, I, I didn't even write down predicting the game because you know what, guys, like at this point, we want the Bears to win. I, they're just not playing well enough to, to ever want to predict them to win right now because it's it, they just don't have that identity. And so I, I'm not willing to predict games right now because I don't really see the point.
1: Um, I don't know if you feel the same way. I will fill our prediction spot with things I would like to see the Bears do over the rest of the season, and we'll sort of take it to my area, which is the personnel piece. And... Um, Bill Zimmerman, our colleague, posted a thing of things he would like to see the Bears do. I'm going to piggyback off that. He was talking about activating Riley Ridley. He was talking about activating Duke Shelley and activating Alex Bars. Um, all those things are young, you know, good for young developmental players. Get them live action game reps, full speed snaps. See what you've got there. Let them make their mistakes because, look, if the Bears lose now, nobody cares, Um, it's not high consequence and those guys are going to get tremendously good experience. Plus you're going to know what you have in a guy like Ridley who hasn't seen the field yet. I'd love to see Javon Wims in there as well. Get him on the field and see if he can create some plays, even with the limited opportunity of, you know, quarterbacks who mm, can't necessarily hit their target. The other one that's been talked about sort of at length is you got to get rid of Mike Davis. Mike Davis is a good player. Nothing against Mike Davis. I think he's fine. Um, If you were going to go with that sort of Mark Ingram Ravens heavy hitter offense, he's perfect for that. But the bottom line is if you drop the guy right now, you get a free fourth-round pick. It balances out in the in the trade compensation or the offseason compensation matrix, losing Adrian Amos and picking up Mike Davis offsets. If you lose Mike Davis before basically next week in the season, you get a fourth round comp pick. The Bears haven't had a comp pick in forever. The system is pretty well known now. If they drop Davis, they get a pick. That's the deal. They have to do that. Mike Davis is getting two or three touches They can certainly replace that between David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, Cordero Patterson, anybody else they want to bring in off the street, quite frankly, which will not uh, count against their comp ratio. So Mike Davis, good player probably nice person needs to go because he's a free fourth round pick and you need to stack as much draft capital as you can you need to give those young players some opportunities to work in if they blow it you know if riley ridley drops a potential touchdown pass look you know he got out there and you know that now and you can work on it Same thing with Duke Shelley. Get him out there. Get him some starting reps uh, at some of the cornerback positions. Move him around a little bit and see what you've got. Alex Bars, fit him in the line as long as he's healthy and see if he can, you know, make some holes in the running game. Work towards next year and building up those young guys because, look – this year's a lost cause in terms of wins, so no predictions, and I don't think the Bears are going to do a lot of those things, because I really hope they do some things at the trade deadline, and they didn't do those either. I, I, If they don't drop Davis, it's indefensible. They know he's not a huge cog in their offense right now. They get a free pick. There's just no reason not to do that, um, other than, hey, we like Mike Davis, and he's a good person, and we don't want to hurt his feelings. I get that. I I totally understand that as a human issue, but um, this is a business and Mike Davis is a fourth round pick right now. You just turn that. So I'd like to see him do a lot of those things. Um, I don't have a lot of high hope in terms of predictions that they will do a lot of those things. Yeah, it's
0: malpractice if they don't take that fourth round comp pick. And need we remind everybody that Ryan Pace has had very nice successes in the fourth round. And so the more of those that the Bears have at their disposal, the better. And they're tradable for people that like to talk about ammunition, to trade up or trade back or whatever. Uh, they are now tradable. They weren't in the previous CBA, but they are now. So definitely something to keep in mind there. Uh, and I, I think Mike Davis was inactive last week. Yeah. So, you know, it's just it's not it's not worth it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some things where I, I I understand relationships and, and all that, but this is not one of them. This is one of those no brainers that the math is out there. You just do it. And so, um, yeah, let's hope that Ryan Pace makes the right decision on that one. Uh, I think that's, I think that's enough. I, I agree with your points. I think that's enough for, for this episode. I'm happy to be back. Uh, and I'm happy that I got to share this bourbon that I finished 15 minutes ago. Um, But let's check on your shot and beer.
1: Yeah, the shot's exceptional. I I really like that tequila. Uh, I I enjoy tequila in general. Um, This one is one of my absolute favorites. Has a smoothness and a sweetness. Little hint of heat at the end, but that's it. Um, Highly recommend picking some up if you get the chance. Um, The beer I've not had before. Um, Fairly typical light european lager little tiny bit of skunk to it um not a ton uh having the shot beforehand certainly helped but a good sort of very classical european four ingredient beer um went down reasonably smoothly uh these happen to be 16 ounce cans i've got five more of them and uh, i'll definitely make good use of them would i go out seek it out again as OG? Oh, that's one of my favorites of the style i don't think so but um definitely a worthwhile try and you know i forgot to mention in addition to the orange logo the can is blue so we got blue and orange going for us and you know uh-huh. that might be enough Absolutely.
0: All right. Well, next time I will have a beer, uh, hopefully, to celebrate a Bears victory over the Lions. And why don't you get us out of here?
1: so uh, of course, follow the pod at Bears Over Beers. Uh, we answered one of the questions that showed up there today, or uh, at least sidestepped one of the questions that showed up there today. <laughs> so feel free to to interact with us there. Uh, we love talking to you guys, and um, you know we're going to give it to you straight. That's the deeper dives and cooler takes part of what we do. You can follow Jeff at Gridiron Born on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at The Draftsman FB. You can find our work on Windy City Gridiron, and even though it's a lions game and even though it's a lost season you know buckle up look for some good plays find your favorite beverage and bear down